Welcome back to the Watch More Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and today is January 15th, mid-month of the new year. And as we start the new year, I kind of want to offer some answer to some questions that we've been getting online, and we have gotten this one a tremendous amount here over the course of the last six months, really. And it has to deal with, hey, listen, it's great that home prices are going up. It's great that rates may or may not be coming down, but I still can't afford a home. And quite frankly, you know, we need home prices to come down. Now, these are some of the comments that we're getting. I'm not saying that, but that's the comments. And really, it's coming from one bulk of a generation. That's Generation Z and really millennials. And I understand that. So today's podcast is geared towards you. And if you're not in that generation, this podcast is geared towards maybe your children or maybe your grandchildren. Those that are of teenage years getting ready to head towards college, this is the episode for them. Because what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about an opportunity that you don't get often, more importantly, one that you're probably not going to get in your lifetime again, because it only happens at this first purchase of your home buying career. And I think this is important because this is where your real estate investment strategy starts. And you know, I hear a lot of people say, I wish I would have known this. I wish someone would have told me this, because what I'm going to share with you today, this is not new. However, it's just becoming more uh, streamlined, more media bound today. And, and it's the term house hacking is what it's been called today. But the reality is just buying homes at a rental stage early in your career and then upgrading to a single family resident home or additional larger home from a smaller home than what you started with. And let me define what that means. So a lot of Gen Zers and a lot of millennials right now feel like they are squeezed out of the market um, due mainly to price points of homes and then couple that with rising interest rates. It hasn't been quote unquote fair. And I get that. I understand that, you know, listen, I've seen all the media about, hey, if you bought a home in 1980 at 18% interest, but the home was only, you know, $60,000, the price is this. Now today that home is 700000 at 6.5% interest. The rates and don't matter because the monthly payment's not comparable. I get that. So what I want to do today is offer some information on how to offset that payment. And what I want to start with recommending is that property types are important when we talk about this on the podcast today. So for today's purposes, I kind of want to define different property types to get started. The main type of property is called an SFR, a single family residence. This is your traditional house. This is what you think of when you go home buying. But the next step is a duplex. Now, this is going to be a home that has two units, two separate entrances, two doors, as I call it, uh, to rent. Uh, that can be rented and lived in. And then each side of those can share a common wall, but they have to have their own kitchen, their own bathroom, uh, usually uh, their own washer and dryer area as well. And then a triplex is going to be and it's the same thing as a duplex, but add another door to it. So you got three units. Quadplex is going to be the same thing. You just add a fourth door. Now you got four units. Now, the reason I want to talk about the differential in those property types is that when you look at a duplex, traditionally speaking, that is a great opportunity to have a rental property. Same thing with Tri and Quad. But what if that can be your very first home you buy and you live in one of those doors and you rent the other ones out to help offset the mortgage payment? Well, that's what house hacking is right now. That's one of the purest definitions of house hacking is that you as a first-time home buyer can take advantage of first-time home buying programs and get into those properties with the same terms and conditions as you would a single family residence home. Now, that's really important because that probably won't happen again in your lifetime or your home buying career. Why? Because if this isn't your first time home and later on in life you go to buy another home and it becomes a second home or it becomes, you know, you're, 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 second, third, fourth home, you're probably not going to get that home with the same basically down payment terms and conditions as you would when you're first time home buying. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that here. So, you know, sharing 
properties is nothing new, right? That's been going on for a long time. I mean, especially in, in states where home prices have been out of control for quite some time, like California, this is not new. But across the United States, you know, in other states, this is starting to become a newer concept. But one of the things I want you to think about here is that what is a rental strategy on an owner-occupied property? So let's take a minute to look at this. It doesn't matter what your age is. Even though I said I'm talking to those in their 20s and their 30s, it doesn't matter because if you're a first-time homebuyer, that's who I'm really talking to with this. And if you have a solid job and you have a good salary, but you can't afford to buy a single family residence because of what I described earlier, which is uh, rising housing prices and interest rates being higher than they were a year ago or two years ago, excuse me, this could be the solution for you. And so instead of purchasing that single family, think about buying a duplex, think about buying a triplex, think about buying a quadplex. Now, the only caveat with this is they need to be in areas that rent well. That's really important. And you need to identify, do they rent well? And you can do that by looking up statistics online. You can look up, see what the rental prices are in that area. It'll give you a uh, price per square foot. There are a lot of options you can use to determine if this home, A, can rent, is there a demand for it? And then B, if it does rent, what does it rent for? And that's important in this equation because when you go to get to this purchase, um, one of the things we want to look at is how many doors can you rent? So if you can rent one extra one on a duplex because you're occupying the other side or two other ones on a triplex or three other ones on a quadplex because you're occupying one of the doors, if you can rent that, then that can be used as qualifying income on the loan. And traditionally speaking, an underwriter or a lender is going to give you 75% of that rental income. So if you're renting that for, you know, let's just say $1,000 a door, you're going to get credit of $750 towards the purchase, basically towards the income qualifying that loan, what we call debt to income ratio. So you have to you have to be able to offset that mortgage payment in certain ratios, and that will add to that towards your benefit. And so I think that that's really important. Now, there are some other things that go with that. You have to have a long-term contract uh, being 12 months or longer. Uh, you'll need a, a formalized contract to turn into the underwriter. Or if you're buying that property from someone that currently has renters in there, you'll need to get that information as well to provide to underwriting. But there's opportunities there instead of just saying there's nothing I can do. Now, the other thing that's super beneficial about this is that the Federal Housing Administration, known as FHA, has specific loans to help you with that. And as I pull up the guidelines here and, and kind of jump into FHA, and if you want to see the link that I'm looking at here, you could just Google, you know, hey, loan limits for FHA and go to HUD.gov. It'll be there. But we will put this exact link in our YouTube channel at What's Your One More. That's at What's Your One More with the number one. This link will be in there under this episode. But we're sitting in Jacksonville, Florida today. So I'm going to use this county and this state in Duval County in Florida. But I just kind of want to show you what I mean by this. A single family home, an FHA limit, loan limit is $564,650. Now, what that means is FHA will not allow you to finance any more than $564,650 on a single family home, single family resident. On a two family known as a duplex, they'll allow you to do $722,850. On a triplex, you can do $873,750. And on a quadplex, you can do $1,085,900. That would be the maximum amount of finance you can do on those properties. Well, why is that important? Because this is going to be the first time in your career that you can put 3.5% down on any of those loan limits based on those property types, and you can leverage the small down payment on that property to build equity and build wealth and then also develop rental income on your property at 3.5% down. 
There's not another vehicle like that because later on in your career, if you want to buy a home and call it an investment property, you're at least going to have to put 20% down. In some cases, 25 putting 3.5 down in this case. Now, I know there are some challenges that are kind of go with this because, you know, you might say, hey, Quinn, in my local area, good luck finding a quadplex for a million dollars. I understand that. So let's turn to some other options here. Let's look at the conventional side. The conventional side recently has come up with some really good healthy alternatives to those low down payment FHA loans. And if you recall, if you've been a listener uh, for a little bit here in the last six months, Daniel Halverson and our lending updates has been discussing the opportunities that go along with some of the new updates on the conventional multifamily down payments. It used to be at 15%. They've recently changed this to 5% on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for two to four units their loan limits do go higher. So it offers some additional relief there using that lower down payment and getting higher loan limits. There also are some non-conforming loans known as non-QM qualified mortgages that offer flexibility. Now their down payments are going to be a little bit more than that 5%, probably, you know, double that if not more, but, and the rate could be higher, but there are opportunities there to still allow you to finance that property that has three to four doors on it. And, you know, the other thing is this, when we look at challenges and we look at things that are in the market, your biggest challenge, I think, are cash buyers, because these cash buyers that are looking for investments also are trying to accomplish the same thing that you're trying to accomplish, except they want to rent the whole property out, not just live in one and rent three out. So those are always going to be options. Those are always going to be, you know, challenges, if you may, uh, with the cash buyers. The other thing is this, when you're evaluating the property, you have to know that a duplex probably might not be enough units to get you the affordability you need, you may need to go to three to four units because for every door there, you're renting out and generating more income for the property to offset the mortgage payments. So sometimes the duplex, that one door might not be enough. And I understand that. So the triplex or the quadplex may be your answer on that. But also look for accessory dwelling units. That's something that is very, very overlooked, but can be used to offset the mortgage payment as well. We kind of call those mother-in-law suites. So if that kind of resonates a little bit better, but think of like, this is just one example. This isn't every example. I just want to think about, have you seen a garage and above the garage is a living space and it has its own kitchen and it has its own bathroom and it has its own entrance? That's an accessory dwelling unit. You can use that as rental income to rent that out to offset the mortgage payment as well. That's just one example of some of those accessory, what we call ADUs, accessory dwelling units. But think of this last thing I want to leave you with here. If you don't have a multifamily home, right, you don't have an opportunity to get a a triplex or a quadplex, but you have the opportunity to go buy a single family residence. When you go into that, think about how can I rent other bedrooms out with someone that I've lived with before or someone I've rented with before, because there are programs under Freddie Mac, under the Home Possible program, that if you've done that type of uh, uh, living arrangement before, and you can document that this person has subleased from you or rented from you over the last 12 months, you can position yourself to say, okay, I can now go buy a single family residence. I can rent these other rooms out because I have a history of doing this before. And I think the key is just like position yourself to have the correct documentation. So, you know, if you're, if you're living with someone, you may want to create a sublease and then have them pay you directly so that you can establish a 12 month history. So you can take that to underwrite and show it. And then you can go use that as an offset setting income as part of the loan application to help buy that home as well as generate more revenue for you on that property. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. 
I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. So here's another option that you can think about during this process as well. If you're a parent, you can also help out with this loan. And what I mean by that is, is this, the co-signer capability. And I think there was like six years ago, they came up with a concept called Kitty Condo. And the concept was that the parent would co-sign for the child to help them obtain the property. But the reality is this, if you're in your 20s or if you're in your 30s and you need affordability help with the loan, the parent can co-sign as well. Now that does obligate them and it does credit qualify them, but they don't have to live in the property. So a co-signer in this particular case is a very, very viable option. It's also very popular in our industry and you can do that on both FHA and conventional loans. However, let's take it a step further to what we're talking about here. If you identify you as a home buyer and you're in your 20s and you identify this triplex or this quadplex and you're able to rent that property out, but however, your income currently at this time may not be enough on its own to support that, but you see one heck of a rental opportunity. And again, this is the first time you can take advantage of this and probably the only time you can turn to any family member to help co-sign on that property and you can you can use their income to help qualify for that loan. And in time, as you go to refinance that property, you can remove that person from the loan and they're no longer credit obligated. And if you still live in it, you can still obtain those primary residence terms and conditions on that property that we're discussing. So you can get started with some help. That's the important thing. And you can also have a co-signer. And as I mentioned, you can also go through those DPA assistant programs and also work with the same terms and conditions inside of that. So there's a lot of opportunity there inside of this house hacking that just doesn't get talked about enough. And last but not least, this is an investment vehicle. It's an opportunity because as you move out of this triplex, as you move out of this quadplex, as you move out of this duplex... When you leave, if you don't sell the property, now you're retaining a full rented out property with two, three, four doors being rented on there. And you're going and buying a single family residence home now that might be, you know, your home that you live in for the next 10 years, but you're generating income off of a property that you financed with three and a half or 5% down. Like that's an opportunity that doesn't exist often. And it's really, it's, it's here for the very first time to purchase a home. So again, if you have a teenager let's say they're they're getting ready to go to college. What a great opportunity to think about that college town. Think about that quadplex, that triplex, that duplex, that opportunity to rent there because that is a that is a market that's full of demand. People need to rent. What an opportunity to set up an investment vehicle at the age of 18, 19 or 20. And if you're a first-time home buyer, you're setting it up somewhere in that 20, you know, 5 plus range. What an opportunity to set yourself up to say, hey, listen, yeah, I had to go do it this way, but I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad someone brought it to my attention and showed me how to do it. The other thing is this, depending on what state you live in, there are state DPA, which are down payment assistant programs that will also 
provide down payment assistance to help buy those properties through FHA or conventional to where you might not even have to come out of pocket to buy those types of properties. So there's a lot of a lot of things to help first-time homebuyers that oftentimes are overlooked, more importantly, just not discussed. And again, this is nothing new. This house hacking is nothing new. The term house hacking is, but the development of buying a property that has multiple units inside of it to leverage those units to help offset the loan application as far as income qualifying, and then also develop rental income to help pay the mortgage, that is not a new concept. It's just one that's generally being talked about more and more. And if you've never been a landlord before, I would highly recommend education on being one because there's a lot of good that comes with it. There's a lot of challenges that come with it as well. And a lot of the programs through Freddie Mac offer additional free education for that as well. So there's a lot of laws and different things that take place in every state that you should be aware of. Guys, if you like what you're hearing, please five-star this episode. If you would, leave us a review at Apple, Google, or Amazon. We'd love to hear from you or even Spotify on some of the Q&A that we have out there. And also check us out on our YouTube channel at What's Your One More. Till the next episode, we'll see you guys at What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put them all into it, yeah